This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Wimbledon Had a Dream podcast. Finchie and I are joined by Aveton Wooden Loans Manager and First Team Coach Rob Tuvey. Thanks for joining us, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it, Rob. First things first, really, mate. How, how have you been finding it? Yeah, no, I'm absolutely loving it so far. Um, yeah, it's been a great honour to obviously be asked to do it by Robbo, but... Um, yeah, it's so much fun just going in every day and seeing seeing the whole squad get better, but also just seeing, obviously, results help with that. Saturday helps. But no, I just think that um, everything about it has just been so good so far. And yeah, I'm just absolutely buzzing to go in every day and just looking to improve like myself, but also the players every day. Like, I absolutely love it. What What is your kind of day-to-day now then, Rob? Is it because obviously season's kind of finish for the under well we've got some games for the under 23s but what's your day-to-day in now yeah so my day my day-to-day is almost um preparing training so i'll get in around um quarter to eight and yeah we'll start preparing training um with robbo and when justin when justin's in myself justin and robbo will sit down and we'll start planning training so um yeah we've brought in sort of our way of playing so our philosophy and we'll sort of go right what do we need to sort of look at today? What's the key sort of points within a training session? And then, yeah, we'll sort of plan that. Um, obviously, analysis plays a massive role. <clears throat> so we look ahead towards Saturday um, and look at some analysis tips and also reflect on the games that's just gone. It's been hard at the moment because we've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I'm doing lots of meetings. So it's sort of the first part of the meeting will be a review of the game before. And then we'll sort of preview the, the next game. Um, and then, yeah, individual chats with players, just trying to see um, key things that we want to see from them, both in reflection and what we want to see with them moving forward. Um, and then, yeah, we we'll go out and train. And, um, yeah, myself, Robbo and Justin, we sort of um, mix up the training in terms of who's taking it. And then, um, yeah, after we'll go through some like individuals for some extras if they need it and look at some development plans of the young players and maybe take them out and work on specific things for them to improve on as well. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty pretty busy since we've come in because of all, all the games and that. But um, ultimately, being out on the grass and coaching, that's that's what me, Robbo and Justin love to do. And um, although we haven't had loads of time to do it, when we have had time to do it, it's, it's worked really well. Oh, great. Uh, for people that don't know yourself, you're obviously a coach. What- Level coaching badges have have you like what level are you at with regards to coaching badges? Are you yeah. in the midst of doing any more or are you at the so I've, I've done my A license, I've completed my A license, um, and I've completed my youth award. Um, so that's like the equivalent of the A license for youth football as well. Um, so yeah, so I've done all that. So potentially in the future, in the next couple of years, potentially look at a pro license um, at some point. That's that's where I want to get to. But um, yeah, at the moment, there's nothing There's nothing really out there at the moment. I'm probably going to look more away from football in terms of courses, maybe some sort of business course or try and get more of a business side of it a little bit more. That's sort of where I see my development coming in terms of courses moving forward, really. 
because I've I've done a bit of when I say a bit of coaching, I was a dad coach coaching my son's football team. Uh, I was pretty good to be fair. I was more like a clock, <laughs> clock come pep pep kind of coach. And what really annoys me is the pricing of coaching in this country. Do, do you think that a lot of young coaches are getting outpriced to becoming good coaches or becoming coaches? Uh, because I've looked at some of the pricing and, and everyone can go get level one. That's quite easy. And a lot of clubs pay for that. But once you go up to what you said, it, it gets quite expensive. Uh, and I think we're outpricing probably some of our best coaches. Yeah, definitely. I think we are. I think, um, obviously, if you've played the game, then it's a little bit cheaper. Um, I don't know how that works, but it is. Um, so, for example, our apprentices, our apprentices um, so our under-18s, they will leave as a level two qualified coach at the end of their under-18s. So, they're well on their way already. Um, so, again, there's, there's good options for young people out there if they're in the game. But I think people outside of the game who have to sort of fund it for themselves, they are, they are outpriced a lot, you're right. And I think it's something that the EFA need to look at because there's a lot of coaches out there that may not have a playing background, but there's some good coaches out there who have got great knowledge and have done their apprenticeship, if you like. And mm. I think that um, I've been very lucky that the club have helped me along with my courses and that, and they funded some of my courses as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been very lucky in that sense, but I think out there, there's some really good young coaches that do need that help as well. When you talk about the, the youth players coming out of the, the under-18s leaving with level two coaching badges, is that a Wimbledon thing or is that a, a wider sort of academy? In yeah, so that's, that's built into any apprenticeship in the country. So any apprentice in the country will come out of a level two. So for, as an intake, we take an intake of nine for each year, um, scholars for each so nine of them will come out as level two coaches. Whether they use that or not is completely up to them, but it leaves this part of their qualification moving forward and that. So um, there's a couple that go on to do sports leadership course as well. That's optional. That's something that I think two have taken on this year, two of the under-18s. So that, that's, again, just another string to their bow, really, that if they just don't want to be doing football, they've got this sports leadership as well that basically can cover all different sports alongside it. That, that's awesome, that is, because obviously we know football it, like can be cruel. You can get released, you could be pretty like, if it weren't for my knee, knee injury, I don't know how far I could have gone, to be fair. But it, it, it's such a mad game that you could be like, some players drop into non-league, like Jamie Vardy's and things like that, the main one. But that sounds brilliant that there is a pathway then for people. And one of the things that Robbo touched on is that getting our kids' pathway to men's football but if they do suffer an injury like that, they've got a pathway then to stud, like to keep on in, in the game kind of thing. Definitely. We, we, we'd love for some of our ex-players to come back and coach within the academy. Like we, we've we've made that an open policy for some of them. So some of them come back and sort of had a little shadow coach and sort of had a look to see if it's for them. And we're like, look, just have a look, see, see if you fancy it. Go and have a... But you look at some of the boys that we've had through, Lee, and... We've got like Senna McKillop, he's, he's a school teacher at the moment. And when you talk to him and that, he's going to be a top coach for me one day and someone who I hope will come back and work with the academy boys when he feels the time's right and he's not playing. And, and there's other boys out there that have got such a great football brain that you're like, you're going to make a really good coach one day. There's a, there's a couple in the 18s at the moment, Ben Mason, like he's going to be a, a top coach. Like you can see the way he reads the game and the way he thinks about the game. There's, there's there's some good young coaches out there that it might not, they may not think about it at the moment and we don't want them to think about it because obviously they're just thinking about building a career but it's also that chance to for them while they're building their career have something on the side as well that they can they can build alongside it. You kind of mentioned um, going off away from football in, in terms of course related. Um, when you say business, do you think like football business? Or bit business in general. Yeah, I, I think I just want to see what's out there apart from football. Um, I think that Robbo has always sort of taught me that there's there's other there's other things out there, and biz, the, we, football is a business ultimately. So, how do other businesses control culture? How what's their environments like? How do they keep their their staff happy? How do they almost build that multidiscipline approach and that's something that, that we want to get better at. So in terms of our multidiscipline approach, it might be recruitment, it may be managing up, it may be managing 
the directors at times and going, how do you, how do you sort of interact with them? How do you um, talk to your staff in different ways and that? So just seeing away from football, you can get caught up in this football bubble a lot and everyone talks about you, you basically just churn out the same old rubbish a lot of the time. And, and we just want to go away from that. We want to see what's out there. So Robbo going to see Eddie Jones. Okay, it's a different, completely different sport. Brilliant. What can we bring back in? If we go to a business, what can we bring back into the building that may help us as well? So, of course, I'd love to go and see the best in the world at what they do within football. But I want to go and see what other people do in terms of business as well. And what can we bring back into football as well? Because... The same old rubbish has been churned out in football for so many years that I think that there is a market for for us to learn from different environments alongside that as well. Nice. Um, going back to football, obviously we left it late on Saturday. Um, first, firstly, how, how do you think it's gone since since you you and Robbo have come in? Um, no, I think I think that obviously we're a work in progress. I think that's, that's definitely, but I think people need to see that obviously since we've come in, we've only had two, four weeks of training and to try and implement a style of football and the change of style of football that we've seen, we're very proud of and we feel that we've really come in and we've, we've given the club and the, the team an identity that hopefully can be a mainstay for years to come as well. Um, I've, I've watched Wimbledon for years and obviously... I've, I've not seen that identity of play within Wimbledon that I'm going, this is sustainable. This is something that we can really build on year upon year upon year. Something that, somewhere that we can put young players in the side and they can, they can be ready for. So I think when, when we've heard in the past about young players not being ready for the first team, I think we've also got to look at the style of football that we're playing as well. We're not always going to produce a Tom Elliott. We're not always going to produce a Bayouac and Fenwa. And if we did, we'd probably be questioned about why we're producing these sort of type of players as well. So... I think that we're, we're really pleased with how it's going. We're really pleased with, firstly, how the players have adapted to it and how, how much they've bought into it as well. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing coming in. We knew that they're not a bad bunch of players. I just think they needed to be stimulated and to give them a style of football that they believe in and that they are excited to come in and play each day. I think that what we've done is we've stimulated the, the players and... Um, Overall, we're getting, we've got their buy-in and, and that's all we can ask for. Yeah, we know that we've got to be better in the final third and we've got, to, we've got to score more goals ultimately. We know that. But if you look at the past few games, we've got teams now that are worrying about us. So if I look at Charlton, they changed shape three times within the first half. I've not seen a Wimbledon side do that to a team in, in years. Um, I look on Saturday, Northampton, they played 4-4-2. All the time, they had to change. They had to match us up into a diamond because... They couldn't live with our movement in the first half and our football. So I just think that that's the way that we want to go. We want teams, as Robert said, we want teams turning up and we want them worrying about us. We don't want to be predictable Wimbledon. We don't want to turn up and go, we're going to play this formation, this is what they're going to do. And the rest of the week, they can just concentrate on how they're going to hurt us. I want teams worrying on a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but they do this, they do that, but they could do this. I want teams having to watch four or five games of us to, to know what we're going to do. And that, I've not seen that in the past, and hopefully you guys are seeing that now, and hopefully um, the players, the players are enjoying it. Well, what I love about yourself and Robert at the moment, and 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 Bezo and stuff like that, is that you're pleased with how it's going, but you always want more. So it's not like there's no con complacency. So you know what I mean? You're you're happy with it, but you want more. You want three points. You want to get better. There's again, as Robo says many many times, the process. Uh, and that's what I love the most about it at the moment. And you can see that in, in the style of play we're playing. Talking about the Saturday game again, uh, and Nick's penalty save, like that was unreal. Like, and I felt a bit bad for him because there was no fans there to actually see it. But what a moment that was. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, first and foremost, it, was, it wasn't a penalty in my eyes. Um, I, don't, I, don't know I, I, I have no idea what the referee saw. I, I watched it hundred times and I still don't know yeah. where the foul is. So. The, the biggest thing that gave it away was their bench. Their assistant managers come up to Dennis. I don't know why he's asking Dennis, but he's, he's asked Dennis about what, what's it for? What's he giving it for? And I'm like, well, that tells you everything you need to know. Like, <laughs> they ain't even celebrating. They're just asking what's it for? But 
that all the credit has to go to the analysis team first and foremost because the work that they guys go into um, Tans knew Tans has done his homework on it but I think the biggest the biggest one has to be Bezo um, I, I was always I always was close to Bezo as under 18s manager but since coming in the work that he does is is phenomenal basically he, he is the life and soul of the building every day and um, the love and care that he gives to them goalkeepers is unbelievable and I think that Tans has obviously had a rocky road to get to where he is now and he has to keep keep stretching himself and keep looking to improve but it's all down to Bezo. Bezo's shown the belief in him and the young goalkeepers, they get a second to none education with him. There's, there's young keepers out there that are basically never see the first team and when I was under-18s manager, the under-18s and the under-16s goalkeepers, they are with him at every opportunity. And that, that just don't happen at other clubs and it's credit to him. Yeah, I miss Bezo, to be fair, on a Saturday because I remember when we we done the great escape uh, and you just see him on the sidelines. He's just cheering up the crowd. He loves it as well, doesn't he? He plays off that. He loves the crowd getting behind the boys and stuff. And you, it must be quite weird for the away team being there and all you can hear is Bezo's voice because I'm guessing he's still quite loud with no fans then, it's going to echo around that stadium at the moment. Oh, he sure is. <laughs> uh, Tanz's uh, inclusion in the starting eleven has been somewhat of a blessing in disguise, I think. Uh, and again, it's testament of what you said about Bezo. But we've also got Matt Cox, who's now in England, pretty much an England international. So do you think next year it'd be them two going first and second? I think it could be this year. Um, I think I think he's pushing him every day. Tans knows that if he drops his standards, there's Coxie's there pushing him, um, and that's what we want. We want every young player at the football club to believe that they can go and push whoever's in their position. And and if you're not in the side, you're striving to get in the side. You're in around sulking because if you sulk, then you might as well pack your bags and you'll be off. Basically, we can't have that. That's the environment that we need. We need an environment where every player in the building is seeing the bigger picture and our why is to continue con successfully continue the great story in football. That's why they've got to come in every day. Look, you're not in the side this Saturday, but how are you going to successfully continue the story? Well, you may have to go and be the opposition for a day or two, and you've got to make sure that the starting eleven have a harder time in training than they will on Saturday. So that, that's sort of the mentality that we're trying to bring into the environment, that every day you come in, you're trying to be the best that you can be. And if you do that, then you'll keep pushing the player that's in your position and they'll have to work harder to get even better. And that's how we're going to get up the league. And that's how we're going to start looking upwards rather than over our shoulder. And two things what you said there, which I love, is one, it reminds me of old school Wimbledon, crazy and day. I know you can't, like, beat... Like, there was an interview with Warren Barton the other week and he said it was like, he got an England call-up and he went and told everyone and they were like, we don't really care, beat him up, burnt his clothes. And then, like, it was like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It matters about being at Wimbledon. And, and that's the fit. Like, the crazy thing days, obviously, you can't burn people's clothes and stuff like that but every single player had to be the best if they wanted to play for Wimbledon they had to be the best and if you if you got through that you were going to play for Wimbledon and have a good career and the second point I don't know if you've heard a Stephen Gerrard interview where he says every day he came in and he was going to be the best he, he had his mate there who was, who was friend but if he let his standard slip his friend was going to take his shirt and that, I think that's the big difference with footballers nowadays is a lot of them make their money and think right I've made it but they need to think, right, actually, I want to be playing that football every single game. Definitely. And, and what we've been saying to them is, like, Bezo says it in the change room. It's just um, team to start, squad to finish. That's all he says in the change room before. And, and it's true. And you think about it, this, this squad, so we, we've said to them lately, look, you give us everything, you run hard, but if you're not feeling 100% or you're not quite at it, you've got to be honest and tell us. Come and tell us because we've got players that will just jump back, jump in. And that doesn't mean that you're letting yourself down or letting us down. That's what's best for the team. We need 11 hungry, fully fit players on that side, ready to go. And we need the starters and the finishers to know that, right, if he's not happening, we've got a finisher ready to come on and make the difference, basically. And that, that's been pleasing when we have made starts in games and that. We've, we've took it up another gear again and we've gone up another gear and that and that's really really pleasing but the, the most pleasing thing with that is we're looking around and we're looking at the finishers and going well they're taking it up another level but then we're looking at what's back at the training ground and we're going well they could take it up a level as well so 
if you look at the whole squad and the youngsters as well, we've got we've got players within the building that are hungry at the moment and, and they want they want to do what's best not only for for me and Robbo, but also for, for each other as well. And that that's huge as well. If you can get that mentality in that environment right, then I think that that's how you grow and that's how you build a sustainable future, really. Yeah, and you, you've mentioned some of the youth. Uh, sorry, Joe, I won't keep going on, but like one of them, Ayo Vassal, has shown his quality and everyone like sitting up thinking, well, who is this kid? Uh, I was a bit gutted because there was another one, Bilal Hussein. I thought he would be pushing very, very close right now. And then, unfortunately, he goes and gets injured. Uh, but, yeah, I, that's just one of them gutting things at the moment. No, he's a, he's a great lad. I, I don't mind, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it, but the story of him when he signed was... was I don't know if Robbo told you guys last week about... So when a youth team player signs, we show him the video of Wimbledon and what it means and that. And it was him, him and his dad who just was in tears, just could not believe like, how much it meant to him. And he's a great lad. He comes in every day and... He leaves everything out there on the training pitch every single day. He's one that you have to almost drag off the training pitch at times because he just wants it so much. And um, he's another one that I think Robbo, Robbo and James deserve massive credit for. He was playing Sunday league football. There was people inside the building, including myself, who was like, who is this kid, Robbo? What are you doing? Because I watched him play right back. And I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, he, his positional sense, I was like, Robbo, come on, seriously. And, and Robbo just done his look at me and just went, just, we've got to coach him, we're here to coach. And the work that Robbo, especially, and James done with him over his first year was, was remarkable because when I came in in his second year, a completely different player. And, and it was my job just to fine-tune him and that. But it was Robbo and James that done so much work with him because, again, he's a Sunday league player who nobody looked at. He, he went in on trial he's got a twin and we t we were told that we had signed um, not 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 the best twin out of the two we had got the lesser twin and um, and and now you look at him and you go wow like what a prospect in that so yeah we're gutted with his injury but again he's got a, he's got a massive future ahead and as long as he listens to the physios that's his biggest thing that he's got to do now because he, he tries to run before <laughs> he can walk literally and um, and yeah so as long as he listens then I'm sure he's got a bright future ahead of him Going, going on to a bit more about you, Rob. Um, obviously, we went to school together. We've known each other quite a while. Um, yeah. Used to come and give you a pound to try and kick the ball through the hole outside Kings Manor. <laughs> um, uh, you're a Wimbledon fan. I see you at games. Um, obviously, this is before you were sort of an employee of the club. How did, how did you first get involved? Yeah, so I was at, um, I was at college at, um, at the time and I basically, we were told to go and do some work experience and we was given... Um, two weeks to do work experience. So I wrote into Fulham, Reading and Wimbledon um, and I got an answer back from all three and I went into all three. So I'd done three weeks rather than two. So then a week at Reading with their first team um, with Steve Coppel and Wally. Um, and then I'd done a week at Fulham with their foundation and academy. And I'd done a week with our foundation because we didn't have an academy back then. So it was Sunday league stuff. Um, and yeah, being a Wimbledon fan, obviously, I was really excited to go into Wimbledon. The Reading one was probably one of the best moments for me because I could really see fine detail going into it. They were preparing for Man United away the week that I went in. So it was like a real insight into that. I was like, this is crazy. Um, but no, so that was that was really, really good. Um, the Fulham one, didn't really enjoy it, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, just not, not really my sort of environment. Um, but the Wimbledon one was really, really good. I learned loads from it in terms of engaging with all different types of learners um, in terms of foundation session. Met some great people as well. Um, and yeah, just from there, they sort of offered me a casual um, job on the side um, that was basically starting at Wimbledon Park. So I'd go to Wimbledon Park on a Saturday and just do some coaching. Then it started with one school a week. Then it just built up and built up. And by, by the time I knew it, within the first year I had two schools every day, um, heading up Wimbledon Park in terms of the schools. And then I met um, met Jeremy and Robbo and they was like, well, come down, see what we do on a Sunday. Um, obviously, it wasn't an academy at the time. So just started assisting the under-12s, I think it was at the time. So it was Joe Bursett's age group. Joe Bursett was an under-12 when he wasn't an academy. 
Um, Joe Bursett was number two goalkeeper in that age group at the time, which was mental now. Um, but <laughs> so assisted them. But that year, obviously, Manchester happened and we um, got promoted. And I went up there with Robbo and a few other the coaches, so Michael Hamilton. Um, we went up there and watched the game. <clears throat> and then, yeah, that, the next season, obviously, we've become an academy and, um, yeah, become the under nine coach of the academy. And then just worked my way up from there, really. So <clears throat> after three years, I think, of um, doing the part-time stuff with the academy. And then, so I was part-time with the academy, part-time with the foundation. And then got offered a full-time role being league foundation phase at the club. So nines to twelves. And then after um, three seasons doing that, lead youth phase, so in charge of 13s to 16s. Then two seasons doing that, um, under 18s. And then, yeah, it was in my second season before Robbo obviously asked me to do that. So I've coached every age group at the club. Um, so, yeah, from Wimbledon Park to the first team, really. I was just about to say, because Jamie mentioned you two went to school together, but you weren't in the same year, was you? Because Jay looks about 10 years older than you do. <laughs> it's the beard, mate. It's the beard. <laughs> I mean, it's luscious, like, luscious you weren't beard. in the same year, were you? You must have been in a couple of years... Uh, Rob was actually older. a year I'm, above I'm me. Jamie's had a tough paper round, I tell you. Because uh, <laughs> I, me I remember meeting you, Rob, because I took I brought my son down. Uh, yeah. He came and played in golf for a while, and unfortunately he had to, to move away. But I always try and coach, like I'm just again a dad coach. If there was any young players, what would you kind of give them to say, look, any like feedback or anything you would give to a young player? Advice, just, what's just, the best advice? Yeah, just, just be the best, just take, every, take something out of every session would be the biggest thing. Whether it's the smallest thing, take it, take away something and write it down and reflect. That would be my biggest thing is that, listen, you can have all the technical, tactical, but if you don't reflect honestly, then you're not going to go far. And that's something that we're massive on in, in the academy is that you have to go away, you have to reflect on your own performance First and foremost, it's very easy to get in the car and go, oh, the coach don't like me, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. But maybe it's something you've got to do as well. And you've got to look at that. I think that there's loads of technical, tactical stuff that I can go into. But the main thing that I would say for any young man, be the best learner that you can be and look to keep improving yourself whatever age you're at. And that never stops. And I'd say that even the first team players now, how can you go and improve yourself? So every day that you come in, I've got to come in and improve myself every day as a coach any player of any age has to go away and improve themselves. And, that, and I think that you can do that from a young age. So even at young age, sevens and eights, okay, you're starting out doing keepy-ups. Week by week, do one more, do one more. So do two with your right foot, one with your left. And just keep building it up by time, but just keep setting yourself goals and keep chipping away at it. Because the day that you stand still is the day that, honestly, people will just catch up with you. And that's, that's what the best do. The best just keep looking to improve. Yeah, because I, I got told off because I used to stand on the sideline shouting at him and stuff like that. <laughs> I got told, unfortunately, you couldn't do that. They had to make their own decisions. And uh, yeah, and then he, he, he liked that because then that meant I couldn't shout at him anymore. So he loved that part. So. <laughs> Was it always football that you wanted to go into like when you, when you left school? Um, two things, probably. I, I love football. I always wanted to go into it, but I love golf as well. Um, love a bit of golf and I probably looked at both courses at college I was like should I do a football course should I do a golf course but yeah I ain't got the money to get into golf so it's football it's <laughs> football uh, so you we, we touched on it a minute ago you've been a coach at every level now at Wimbledon so you, you're now going to be the loans manager could yeah. you explain a little bit more regarding that if people are not sure what a loans because it's quite a new thing in football now isn't it a loans manager we never used to have them five, yeah. ten years ago, but now they're becoming quite a prominent thing across all clubs. So if you could explain a little bit more what that means and what you'll be doing on a daily basis. Yeah, so so my, my official title will be first team coach and loans manager. So obviously daily basis will be working with Robbo and Justin um, around the first team and the coaching. But it'll also be putting development plans in place alongside them guys for... Um, our first year pros and our younger players within the squad. So ideally what, where we want to get to is every player within the squad, whatever age, has a development plan basically. So even if you're 33 coming to the end 
or we put a development plan in place and what you can improve on as well. So that would be, that'd be the main thing. But in terms of the loans, um, it will be the first year pros and anyone within the squad that we feel just can benefit from a loan at the time. My job will be to sit down with um, contact clubs that we've got and just look at the style of football that they play and the personnel that they've got and where our players' development can be best fitted into. Um, also, just trying to look at what can, what can they get out of it as well. So are they in a relegation battle? Are they in a promotion battle? And how that sort of links to our players as well. So our players, hopefully, from now on, will be looking to go for promotion battles. So can we get try and get them into more promotion sort of chases and the pressures that go around that? Um, for some of them, we might look at travel. We might look, they, they live at home. They've always had it quite nice with travelling. We might send them a little bit further afield just so then they can start to learn how to travel, take them out of their comfort zone a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's, it's getting harder um, because Robert Robo's done a great job with it. Um, but now players, are, um, team, sorry, are seeing the quality of our players and they're starting to ask them for, for full-time loans almost. So can they come in and train with us every day? And we're like, okay, but we've got to get the development right with us. So it's, it's almost working with a club and going with them, okay, well, you can have them for two days a week. We're having them for the other three. And then three days, it's for me to make sure that I'm getting a right team of coaches around me from the academy and the first team to make sure that we're still giving them the right development they need. So that, that's the main thing. And the main reason that we've done it was we just felt the under-23s league wasn't giving us what we needed at the time. Um, they're, they're glorified under-18s games, if I'm honest with you. Um, I, I used to go down and get so well because you just have two people there watching and everyone's trying to play this lovely football out from the back and no one's putting a tackle in. You're like, on Saturday, if he gets pulled up and then you've got four or 5,000 people screaming through his head and they don't want to tackle, it's not going to work. So they need to get the bigger picture. They need to see what the real world's like out there. But it's not about someone calling me and because I know them, I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm going to help you out, mate. I'll send you this player. It's not about that whatsoever. We've gone through that stage and we had that before, to be honest with you, Bias, was people would ring up and they go, oh, I'm helping a mate out and sending there. But you don't know what style of football it plays, what the manager's like. They need to be accountable as well. The clubs that we're sending them to have to be accountable to us as well. So what I'm trying to do now with the um, recruitment guys that are coming in is I'm setting up meetings with uh, loan clubs and they will come and they will present to us on their style of football. And we'll present to them on the players that we've got, that we feel will fit them. And together we'll come, we'll come together and sort of form a plan and that. And alongside that, the boys will be getting development reports every six weeks. They'll be get, sitting down with myself and Robbo and making sure that we're looking at their games and we're trying to, trying to nitpick certain bits of their development that we're like, look, this is what we need you to improve on because that's what we're expecting within the first team. So it's just trying to bring that all together, really, and trying to grow the department. I want, I want games to be filmed more. So I want them boys that are going out and loan. I want to send a Wimbledon member of staff to film the games so that all of a sudden we can watch them back. So they're not just going out and we're forgetting about them. They've got a real clear development plan because they are the future of this football club. They're the ones that in two or three years' time we want to see playing for Wimbledon in the Championship, hopefully, and, and trying to kick us on again. So it's really, really key that we get their development right and not just mannequins in a session, which is what has gone in the past as well. So I'm all right in thinking that as a loans manager, it's more outgoing loans that, that you're looking at. Would you get involved in incoming loans or would that be the recruitment guys that you just mentioned? Yeah, no. So it'd be outgoing loans. So I'll be looking um, at our players, um, especially. So I won't, obviously, if Robbo needs me as part of the recruitment process, um, then, I'll, then I'll be there to sort of give my advice on it. But really, I'm going to deal with the outgoing loans. Um, and yeah, obviously, the recruitment policy that the club and Robbo are putting in place at the moment is really exciting in terms of um, how we're going to recruit players now. Um, and that would include loans as well. So building loans. And I, I want to go in other environments as well. So part of it is trying to go into Chelsea, trying to go into these bigger clubs and how do you run your loans department and what little bits can I take? I'm not, obviously we're, we're open to not just sending these boys to Conference, Conference South, Lyme and Prem. If, we, if they need to go abroad, for example, we, we send them abroad, we're open to that. So 
Um, again, it's a different experience for them. It's another life experience. So it's trying to build all different contacts, not just the stereotypical, oh, you're just going to go into the non-league pyramid to get your loans. Well, wh where else can we send them as well? So there's, we've got contacts in Sweden. We've got contacts uh, in Holland. Well, can we potentially send them out there and can they get a different experience, um, experience a different culture, which is fantastic for them as well. And Robbo might allow me the weekend to go and watch them as well. So, win-win. <laughs> Well, I was just I was just about offering my time if he needs anyone to go out to, <laughs> to Holland or anywhere like that. So uh, it, that's that's a lot of a lot of people will know. Chelsea send a lot of their people to uh, Van. I can't remember the team now. It's one of the teams in Holland. Vitesse, yeah, Vitesse, uh, and that's the only team that I really hear that you get players going out. I go, I go watch uh, a lot of Czech Republic football. I go, I've been to Budapest and watch football out there. You don't get really many English players going out, and uh, other than the big ones now going to Germany, like Jude Bellingham and Sancho, you don't really get a lot of players going out and and playing European <clears> football, <throat> which, as you said, would open their eyes to a lot of the world as well. 100%. I think you get caught in this football bubble. I've said it before, people get used to to our training round at times and coming in and they get the routine and everyone's like, oh, it's the same routine as it again. And when you're not in the squad, that routine can become a little bit tiresome at times and people start to look and go, oh, I'm doing the same thing again. So if we can get them out to a different country, as long as we get their, their support right and we get the support network around them right, then we're not just going to send them out to a different country and just go, yeah, sort yourself out. Yeah. And we'll see you in six months' time. We've got to make sure that we're getting their the support around them, right? So are we are we sending them out with a, a real detailed plan? Are they making sure that they're still reflecting? They're not just going to sit in a hotel and just think, oh, made it, I'm out, I'm out abroad and that. So as long as it's developmental, and the right plans in place, then we, we, we're open to sending them anywhere, really. But there has to be a plan in place and it has to be the right fit for the right player. Because ultimately, just because an under-18 this year may get a pro contract, it doesn't mean he's ready next year for the first thing. It doesn't. We need to start making bigger plans for these boys. So you talked about the same bill up. He may not be ready next season. He may need another loan. He may need to go to Conference South, Conference National, and experience another loan. And, and my job now is to say to Robbo, yeah, he's doing well on loan, he's getting closer. And then we get we get his development plan in front of us and we go, okay, but he still needs to do X, Y, Z. And then me then present that to him and challenge him again. And when he's ready, then he would have played, hopefully, 20 to 30 senior games of football in front of crowds where there's something on it. And then he can come to Plough Lane and he can entertain you guys and everyone's learning, wow, what a prospect this young man is. But we've got to stop seeing prospects for me as 18, 19 year olds. Prospects are 18 to 22 year olds now at this football club. And if a player is not ready at 18, don't worry. Because if we get his development right and we see a long term future for him and he's buying into it and reflecting himself, by 22, we're going to have a very good player on our hands. So I think that it is very hard because obviously you want to celebrate when the boys get a pro contract. And it's a great achievement for him. But as a club now, and as, as a fan base as well, I think everyone's just got to see that don't expect instant success. That doesn't happen very often. Like, I can literally name on both hands the amount of 18, 19-year-olds that are playing in League One. It doesn't happen. It, it's, it's very, very rare for it to happen. So, I, at the moment, is doing fantastic to be in that position. And we've already got a young squad in place. But we've got to make sure that we're getting the development right so that these players are not just coming in, they're having a bad game and we're going, oh, he's not, he ain't good enough, which is what's been happened in the past. Yep. And, and, and it's such a shame because we, we've had some good players in the past that have basically been judged off the back of two or three games. And we're looking down, well, actually, he hasn't, his, his programme up until them two or three games was being a mannequin and being Atkinson one week, Plymouth the next week. And that he, where's his development? And people will go, but he's learning, he's learning, he's watching, he should be watching, should be learning. But ultimately, he's only going to get better by doing, and he's got to be out there living a real, a real life of what it is. And that means Saturday, Tuesday, points on the board, people's livelihoods are on the line. What does it mean to you? How do you respond to it? So that's the plan that we're putting in place, really. 
I think that's spot on. I think us fans as well, we need to sit back and then go, actually, this kid's 18, 19. If he has a couple of bad games, then that's, you don't go, well, he's shit. Let's get him out of the team. You know what I mean? Let's put an experienced pro in because I've, I've, been, I've watched enough experienced pros to know that a lot of them are shit as well. So we need to give these players time, as you said, and that's what the management team is. But I like what you said about if they do go abroad on loan and they think, oh, I've made it, I think that's because you think they may be in Spain or something like that. If you send them to Estonia or Belarus or something like that, and they and they think Paul Val on a Tuesday night's cold, wait till they go to one of these places. And also, playing in front of Plough Lane and Wimbledon's quite nice. To be fair, we're not that bad. We we've got some fans who can. But you go like when we went to Offenbach, their players have to stand in front of their their ultras and fans, and cheer until the end of the game. And they did you go to Offenbach, Rob? Was you at? In- no, 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 I didn't. But Robert, Robert couldn't speak highly enough. And, and they couldn't leave. Their players couldn't leave. They had to stand there in front of their fans. And I've been, again, to Prague with some of their ultras and stuff. And they get fireworks thrown at them if they're having a bad game. So coming down to Wimbledon and someone spilling their bovril is going to be <laughs> nothing, really, I don't think so. No, definitely. Definitely. And I've seen it in the past. Like, my, my biggest frustration, Liam J, I'm being honest with you, like, is like, Anthony Hartigan frustrates. Like, it frustrates me the way that he's been treated by some of our fan base I'll, I'll be honest with you and, and, and it has like I, I'm looking and I'm going he was a young player at this football club who has got such a great future and I honestly believe that and uh, when he came into the team he was an attacking midfielder scored goals for fun box to box and he was asked to do a different role and his development was on the job it was on the job development but he's got the talent to do it but nobody see that at the time it was a young player who was doing his development on the job in a first team in League Two, in League One, and we have to we have to take that into consideration as well. The fact that these young players are, if they are thrown in, they are learning on the job, and we have to, of course, me, Robbo, whoever's the manager, we have to. We've got an accountability. We're putting them in. We believe they're ready, but at the same time, I'm not asking fans to be all nicey nicey with them because ultimately. I'm a fan and I was sitting there and I, I, would want, I would want him to do better. But we have to see where they are in their development pathway as well. And I think that that's the biggest thing that is a frustration at times. But you have to trust that myself, Robbo, the management, the club, we will put these boys in when we feel they're ready. So Ayu is the great example at the moment. He's in at the moment. Who's to say that next year he may need another loan? He may need another loan because he might not be quite ready yet. And although he's doing a great job at the moment and we're really, really pleased for him and of course we want him to go and be a mainstay within that site. That's our dream. But ultimately, we have to look long-term for him as well and go, he's coming off the bench for 10, 20-minute spells. What's best for your development here and now? Or is it best going to get a full season under your belt where you're the main man in a conference, South Conference National side? That may be best for long-term for Wimbledon. And we have to keep looking long-term for this football club. Yes, ultimately, we're going to be based on what we do on a Saturday, three points. We know that. But we have to also take the long-term effect of the club in, in place as well and making sure that we're taking care of it. Yeah, with your point regarding uh, Anthony Hargan, I think what didn't help Anthony was that, unfortunately, he was that good when he first came in. That The style of play that we, we played uh, didn't suit him. So if he had gone to a maybe a Peterborough or someone like that, you might have seen a really good Anthony Hargan pass inside Unfortunately, the team that he was in, it didn't really help him. Also, with regards to the fan base, you've got to remember it's a small section of fan base. It's not, I think, again, we've spoke about social media quite a lot and it gets blown out. There could be about 10 people who are slagging Anthony Hagen off on social media. It is only a small portion, especially someone on this podcast as well. So, that is, I mean? that is so, blasphemy, mate. I've, but, never publicly, <laughs> I've never publicly come out and outed Anthony Hagen. I might think. <laughs> I might have an, a personal opinion on him. Um, What's your opinion on him then, Jay? <laughs> just frustrating, if I'm honest, mate. Okay. Like, because like, like Fincher said, he burst on the scene. He won the, um, what was it, Best Apprentice or, or whatever it yeah. was at 17. And we think, hang on a minute, we've got, we've got a real prospect on our hands here. And then it just kind of... Jay, just, I'm going to do, I'm no. going to do a robo here. I'm going to throw <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yeah, no, right. I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> so what, what excited you about him when he came on the scene? He was a good passer of the ball. Yeah. Basically, he could he could pick a pass. You know, you know, 
So, well, so I suppose where I'm, where I'm trying to go with it is the style of play that he went into had no longevity. So 100%. what I mean by that is he was stifled by the style of play and because there was no longevity, there's longevity in his style of play and what he does as an individual, but the actual style of play of the side at the time only was going to be successful for a matter of weeks or months because long-term, we can't keep playing this football because there's going to be... I'll, I'll, listen, I'll be honest, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anyone within the academy, but I've not seen a midfielder do what Anthony Hart can do in a very long time in the academy. And I think that in terms of what he was doing in the first team, I agree with you, frustrated us as coaches as well, because we, we looked at him and we were like, and come on, let the shackles off a little bit. But then I've also got to look and go, well, what, what shackles actually put on him? Why were them shackles put on him? Because he was a fantastic young player. And as you said, great range of passing. What none of you have ever seen is, is goal scoring. He's, he's, box to box, he's a box-to-box box midfielder. And, and that's, that's the frustrating bit. Because I completely agree with you, Jamie. I, I, we're frustrated as well. But we, we just looked at it and we were like, it's very easy to go for the player. But I think we have to look at what was actually happening alongside that as well in terms of the style of play. And that's where me and Robbo want to kind of change it and want to try and make sure that we have a style of play that is not just for a Saturday to Saturday, it's for the next three to four years for players coming through. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that kind of frustrates me as well, the fact that, obviously, you, you know, you, you say Anthony Hartigan, I, I feel like I'm singling him out, I don't, I don't want to. No, that's um, fine. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, you say, you know, you haven't seen anyone quite like him in the academy and you, you, we haven't seen his goal scoring or his box-to-box midfielder attributes. Why? You know that that as a fan, that's frustrating. You know because you know I'm not I'm not asking you to dig out the regime that got it wrong, <laughs> but um, can you see how that's frustrating? Oh, you're a fan, you get it, but yeah, no, hundred percent, I can. I just think that um, again, his development was wrong for me. So when he was going through the patch where. We could all see it. He was low on confidence and wasn't quite getting it right. He needed maybe some more individual development. He may have needed a loan. We needed something in place where potentially we go to him, look, go and get 10 to 20 games somewhere else. We'll find somewhere that suits your style. Go and do what you do. So, for example, if we wanted him to be more of a box-to-box midfielder, I would have loved for and to get a programme where it was right, okay, you're going to go to this side. You may drop down a couple of levels, but you're going to go to this side where you're going to be that box-to-box midfielder. You're going to play 15 to 20 games and then you're going to come back and you've got to go and put that into all important sides. And I don't think that, I don't think that we got his development quite right um, in terms of physical development, in terms of um, tactical development. Uh, he, he's, he's now known as a sitter. And, 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 it, and it hurts me to watch him as a sitter. I know it hurts Robert to watch him as a sitter because we're looking down. We, we've produced a box-to-box goal-scoring midfielder, but now he's just been a sitter. He's just a thought. And, and it's just frustrating. That, that, they're the bits where we're like, come on. Like, this, is, this is where we need to look more long-term in the future. And we have to start looking at these players, not just how can they fit in for one Saturday or one season. We have to look at their pathway and how they're going to fit in the Wimbledon side for years to come. Not just one season, one week. We have, we have, to, we have to look long-term and that's, that's where we want to try and go with it. On his loan, uh, he's on loan at Newport at the, mo- at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah. Are you happy with what's going on there? I mean, I've, I've, I'm keeping half an eye on it, but it doesn't seem like he's getting much game time. Is he playing in a role that you'd like him to be playing there? Um... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just not playing. He's not playing at the moment. Um, and again, like we're, we're in contact with him, and it's um, there's development in what he's going through at the moment because he's not playing. He's away from home, and he's got to he's got to try and find ways around that. And, and as a club, we support him and we give him different methods in terms of dealing with that. Um, 
but he's, he's got to work his way into a squad. They're going for promotion. That's a different different thing for him. He's always um, fought relegation since he's got in to the side. So it's a side that are looking up. Um, is it where we want him to be? No, because we want him playing football, ultimately. Whether that's here or somewhere else, not sure. But ultimately, yeah, in answer to your question, no, we're not happy with the loan at the moment. But it is what it is at the moment. And he's got to get the most out of it that he can. And he's got to get, he will take something out of it. So back to Lee's question earlier, he's got to remember as a young player, or you said, what bit of advice could I give him? Take something out of every day. So whether it be one little thing, take, take it out. And then we can reflect on that hopefully later on um, in his career, really. So I'm guessing that loan was decided by not yourself or Robert. That was previously decided yeah. before you two came in. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. So that um, amp was already on loan before we uh, took charge. And we couldn't, there was no recall clause, I'm guessing, as well, then on that one. No, unfortunately, no, no, there's, there's no recall on it, no, at the moment. Um, yeah, which again is frustrating, but listen, this is not me saying that Anthony Hartigan, if he was here, would be in the Wimbledon side. I'm not saying that 100% because George Dobson, fantastic player, um, and that and our midfield has done really well lately. So there's no guarantee that Anthony Hartigan would have got in a Wimbledon side at the moment, but if he wasn't in our side, we would hopefully have got his development where we needed it to be, and potentially moving forward, we would have got. Um, and Anthony Hartigan, where we know that he can be. Um, but he's, he's got to come back and he's got to have the right attitude and he's got to make sure that he's doing all the right things. It can't just come from me and Robbo. And, and the biggest message I give to any young player and any fan out there, please do not think that just because they come through the academy, they are a mainstay in a Wimbledon side moving forward. If anything, our expectations of any academy player within the building is higher than anyone else. So, yeah, like it's, it's not like that 100%. But we are passionate about about Anthony and his development. And yeah, that's, that's obviously why I say, why I talk the way I do about him. <laughs> at, least a couple, at least a couple of us are, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking about plans, um, what do you, what's your plan? Like, what, what's the end goal for you in football? Um, obviously, I've never been in the first team environment before, so it, it's sort of, getting used to that at the moment. I want to stay in a first-team environment for as long as possible. Um, I love the academy stuff. I love developing players. Um, and I see massive... I get massive pleasure out of it. But ultimately, um, I love I love the pressure at, of, at the moment. I love it. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to get into management one day, I'm sure. But I've got to also just have a look at how it is at the moment because I'm learning so much off of Robbo. Um, and what he's going through at the moment, I've, I'm learning every day. I've got, I think, I've got, got to get a new notepad because I, I just make notes every day about the experiences he's going through, and it's not just on the pitch. Um, it's the way he has to, it's the little chats he has to have with the players. And I've always learned loads off of Robbo in, in terms of as a developer, but now I'm learning off of Robbo as a developer at senior level as well. And um, yeah, no. So I know that at the moment I'm in I'm in the perfect place, and I'm so lucky to be where I am because Robert's obviously put a lot of trust into me to be there. But um, yeah, so it's just I'm not looking too long term at the moment. If I'm honest, Jay, it's 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 honestly just getting where I am, be the best first team coach, loans manager in the country if I can, and make sure that I make that the best department in the country. That's that's sort of my aim. That's the way I've always been when we with the academy. We wanted to be the best category three academy in the country. And now I've got this department. I want to make this department the best in the country. And I want to make Robbo the most successful head coach in the country. That That's sort of my aim at that. And then alongside that, I'll keep looking at my own development in my own time and how I can keep developing myself. But yeah, and then hopefully in the future, you never know. But at the moment, yeah, it's a long way in the future before I become a first team manager. But I'd love to do it one day for sure. Because as I was say, Robbo speaks highly of yourself and said that you're one of the best coaches that he's seen, and he he's he is tipping you to become if we get your development right, as you said, to be an AFC Wimbledon first team coach or head coach manager in the future. That that must be nice that he's saying that. Yeah, it's a 
first thing he's ever said nice about me. But um, no, no, it's, uh, <laughs> no it's, it's obviously it's it's lovely to hear that. But yeah, it's a long way down. It's a long way to go. Yeah, I've I've got so much to develop. I've got um, I've got so much to learn, and I, I can learn off of everyone. I think the biggest thing, like I've just finished tonight, and I've, I've went and coached for my mate's company, and just done a an under nine session, and I want to keep doing that. I'll, I'll, like you can keep your eye in. Like some people just go, oh, the first thing you don't need to do that. I need to do that. I'm, I'm still, I'm still like young enough that I've got enough energy to do that. So like on a Saturday, for example, like I go and I go and take the group of that are not in the not in the first team squad before the games because I want to coach. I love coaching, and ultimately I want to keep my eye in with my coaching. I want to keep developing as a coach and looking to be the best I can. And if I can get the loans manager role right and sort of learn the art of management in that role and dealing with young players, dealing with other managers, then yeah, it's all it's all part of the bigger picture for the future. But that's a long way off for sure. And yeah, I ain't, I ain't looking to take his job anytime <laughs> soon. That's for sure. <laughs> how have you how have you found the step the step up from youth team to? first team like has it been difficult has there been many challenges to it have you you know it must um, yeah no I thought it would be tougher than what it has been I'll be honest um, but I think it's been made easier because the the process as Robert talks about the process that he's put in place is very similar to what we had in the academy so I've been almost working under that process for so many years so now that he's put that into the first team it's not much difference. If anything, I've got more accountability. He's put more on me where, I, where he's like, you've got to make sure. So, and I love that. I love the fact that he, the way Robbo works is he, he's not, he doesn't micromanage it. He's very much of, this is what I expect, off you go. And then within the guidelines, I've got to go and try and find solutions and, and try and problem solve myself. And I love learning that way because that's what's making me better, because I'll, I'll do something and it might not be quite the way that he wants it and I'll have to go back again and go, well, actually, I've got to find a different solution to that. So it's on the job learning at the moment and, I, and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I will, I, I miss the youth team and I miss the academy, of course, but ultimately the pressure of um, the Saturday and seeing that the, the coaching and the actual methods that we've had in the academy they can work at senior level. And that's given us, I think it's given me a massive boost and I think it's given Robbo a massive boost because we've been told for so many years, Jay, that oh, you've got to do it differently at, at senior level. They just like to be told what to do and they don't. They don't. They, they want to learn. These, these men, they want to learn. They're ultimately young, young people that just want to get better every day and they want to get better by... Learning. So the biggest, the biggest thing for me was our first analyst session. Typically, we were told you got to keep a meeting to twenty minutes because that's all players will concentrate for. Is twenty minutes. Our first meeting, we were in there for forty-five minutes. Robbo went to turn it off, and one of the players who I won't name was basically put his hand up and gone, "No, no, no, don't turn it off. We're learning." And we were there for an extra fifteen minutes after. And you look at it, and you're like, if we were just going, what was? what we were told in the past that every player that every player likes, then we, we would have stopped and that learning would have just finished and they would have walked out the room and gone, had more questions and answers probably. But what we're finding in all our meetings now is the players have got more questions, they're coming up with the answers more and ultimately we're all just learning as well. So we're learning what type of learners they are, they're learning how we do things and um, yeah, it's going really, really well at the moment. Do you think working working closely with Robbo in the academy sort of helps with the dynamic dynamic of you two in the first team? You know. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Justin's been a massive, massive bonus as well, um, and Bezo, because um, it's just a different voice at times. Like, obviously, me and Robbo have worked together for so long that um, the problem is, me and Robbo have always been in the academy, but we've never actually worked together. So, although the only closest time we probably worked together was Robbo was 18s, I was 16s, and we could work together in that. But we, we've got a good, a really good relationship, an honest relationship where Robbo can be really honest with me. And when it's not, when I'm not on it, 
he can tell me and I, I, I sort of go to Robert and I can be honest with him as well. So I think that works really, really well. Um, so yeah, I think that obviously our academy experiences have been really, really good. But, um, but yeah, I think that we, we need a challenge, a challenge culture. So Robert will come and challenge me on some things that I say and I can go to Robert and challenge him on decisions he makes. Ultimately, it's his decision. But I will go to him and go, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And Justin's brought that up another level as well because Justin will come in and go, well, I thought that. And then I'll go, I thought that. And Robert will go, mm-hmm. yeah. And then we come together. And obviously, it's Robert's decision. But what it does do is it, it means that we, we're not just all, me and Justin are not sitting there just saying, yes, Robert, yes, Robert, and just agreeing with him. He doesn't need that. He needs people that are going to be honest with him and challenge him as well. So, yeah, that, that's sort of the dynamics between us, really. Yeah, we, we know Robbo loves to challenge because he came on here and challenged us straight away. So that kind of threw me. But uh, also, I was going to say to you, uh, did you have to have an interview with Robbo when you were, and if you did, did he give you a cup of water and make sure that you took the cup at the end? No, I picked up on the rub- I picked up all the rubbish on the way into the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it all happened so quick, if I'm honest. Obviously, it was horrible to hear what happened on Saturday. Um, with Lynn and um, Nick, and that that was that was horrible to hear because I, I I just found out on Twitter, and obviously um, yeah I, I I didn't contact Robbo because I thought he's going to be busy as it is, and I wasn't really expecting him, um, and then he contacted me and was like, look, do you mind helping me? And that yeah, and then the Sunday he was just mad. I think we was on the phone for four or five hours together, just putting together a presentation that we wanted to show the players and. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I hadn't really looked at the schedule. Then I see it was like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I'm like, okay, better get to work here a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a whirlwind. But, yeah, I didn't have to have an interview as, as such. But I think that I would, I would, I always like to think that it's just an ongoing process. So that if I'm not, if I'm not doing it at the end of the season, Robbo, Robbo will change it. But hopefully he enjoys what I'm doing. But I've got to keep making sure that I can't take anything for granted. I've got to make sure that I keep pushing and I keep giving Robbo what he needs every day because there's a lot of people out there that would love to be in my shoes. So I've got to make sure that I keep pushing every day to make him make him know that I'm the best man for the job, really. I'd imagine it's quite a surreal experience. Uh, how long did it take? Like, uh, Are you used to it yet? Or how long did it take to kind of go, right, well, I'm here now? Um... I'd love to say that I'm used to it. I don't think I'll ever get used to it until the fans come back in. Um, I think that will be emotional. That will be really emotional for me um, when the fans come back in. Uh, Plough Lane is just emotional. That um, I don't mind saying it, but the first time, first time I went there, I sort of I used to go to the Greyhound track with my family, and they've got on the back of the wall it says Wimbledon Greyhound track as you as you sort of walk in, and I walked in and I, I just. I just got emotional. I was just like, "What?" I used to come in with my family, and now I'm coaching near the team that I support, and, and it was a little bit, little bit of a surreal moment in that. But um, yeah, I don't think until the fans come in, it will really sink in because at the moment it feels like a youth team game. Although there's there's much more on it. I'm used to playing in front and used to coaching in front of nobody, maybe like fifty or sixty parents. But but I'm used to empty stadiums at youth cups and that. So. Um, I think until the fans get in there, it won't really sink in for me. Yeah, because that's the big thing for me. Like the players, obviously, some a lot of them are new players uh, that we've watched on TV, and we haven't really been able to sing songs to. Uh, I think obviously they there's a talk they get it and stuff like that. We hear that quite a lot. But I don't think they really will get it until we get fans back into Plough Lane because that first game is going to be very very emotional for pretty much every fan, and I think they'll turn around and go fourth. Oh, yeah, this is what it means because I know there's a few fans like there's a few people there on match days but to get a full house there is going to be I think it will be hairs on the back of the neck stuff yeah I can't like I, me and Robbo we um we leave after games and we always leave together after games and the stadium sort of partially lit up inside and we always stand back and we always literally stand by the car park and just go wow imagine this place when it's full and it, and it is that. It, it's just absolutely amazing. Like, what a stadium. What a stadium it is. It's, it's something that, 
obviously I had a vested interest as a fan when they started when it started building and it, and it's better than anything I ever imagined it would be ever imagined it would be and the day that I remember taking the 18s there and Robbo got them in the safe stand and they sung a song and it just like absolute echoed around with the flats around it and you're like wow when this place is a full house it's going to be some atmosphere and even when you drive in on the way days uh, um, on game day you're looking and you're going wow this is some away day for some of the fans as well like you're in the heart of Elsfield, Wimbledon just around the corner. Like it is going to be some match day experience as well for the fans. And um, yeah, like obviously I'm going to miss doing it as a fan, but um, I can't. I can't wait. But I know for sure that the first game, you know, I'll definitely have to walk down Aidens Road and like do the walk to the stadium. I think on the first game that you guys are there for sure. Some of some of the northern teams, some of the northern fans are going to have a bit of a shock when they're trying to buy a pint in Ellsfield and they're getting charged seven pounds. <laughs> That's going to be a bit of a shock for them. They talk about weight days and they're, they're paying like ten pound and all they're getting is a pint and a pie and they're like, what the? Fuck? But uh, last question of the night from uh, someone you know, David Weatherhead. See, he said, what experiences from non-league coaching at Rains Park Vale can can you bring to AFC Women's First Team? And are you disappointed you can't go out in Wimbledon and get shit-faced now uh, he'll be under the spotlight? Um, I'll answer <laughs> the first part first. Sure. Um, I think dealing, dealing, with, um, dealing with men, it was a massive wake-up call for me. Because um, at the time I was just dealing nines to twelves and dealing with men and how you, how you sort of interact with them was something I can definitely take from it. Um, and yeah, the second part of the question, I have no idea what he's on about. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'll miss, I'll miss him and Tom Cruise. Do you know what I mean by that? So I'll miss him and Tom Cruise on a night out. Because I, I understand Dave can play a little bit. That's what I've heard. I heard he was not a bad little player. No, no, he's, he, he's all right. He's all right. He's a striker. Um, yeah, like every three chances here, here at the target <laughs> with one. So, yeah, he ain't too bad. He ain't too bad. So, so you're saying he's a better footballer than he, he is a boxer? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's why you had to get Laurent, Laurent on with him. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't put I, the bill on his own. Yeah, we had to get the big man in first. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty much all we've got, Rob. Is there anything? No, thanks for having me, though, guys. Cheers. Thank you. It's great, it's great work what you guys are doing. Thanks, man. Thanks, mate. Thank really appreciate, appreciate that. Is there any questions you want to ask us? <laughs> no, no, no. Jake, can I give your number to Anthony Hartigan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. No, you don't want to give it to Anthony. You want to give it to his dad. <laughs> he, he, he loves, yeah. he, he, he loves he, reading. He used to sit near me. Did he? Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't come out with black eyes? Awesome, Rob. It's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. No problem. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much, Rob. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter at Wombles Dream or via Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.